All right, guys, take your Bible and turn with me to the book of John. Now, that little graphic in your notes this morning is off. We're going to be on John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8. John, one of my absolute favorite books in the Bible. Um, as we get started, it's one of the most memorable scenes, maybe one of the most quoted movie scenes ever. Look at this next slide. You remember that movie, A Few Good Men? Do you remember the line? Do you know the line that I'm thinking of from A Few Good Men? You can't handle the truth, right? If you've seen it, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We're living in a culture today that simply can't handle truth, uh, and mishandles truth, if you will, and doesn't even want to handle truth at all. And it's even true when it comes to some churches. Uh, a, a study came out. 80% of Americans agreed with this statement. It's an individual should arrive at his, or her, at his or her own religious beliefs independent of any church or synagogue. Now, the author of this study, uh, the guy that published it, concluded that the most fundamental belief in American culture is that moral truth comes down to whatever we think it is and whatever we believe it is. Our culture has no problem with a God of love who supports us regardless of how we live or conduct ourselves. But there's no room for a God who punishes people for wrong beliefs or wrong behavior. Now, we're in a, a series on Sunday nights uh, called The Right Tension. And what we want to do is, like Christ, we want to keep the right tension between grace and truth. We want to be balanced between grace and truth. Grace without truth is liberalism. Truth without grace is literally legalism, but grace and truth is being like Christ. And we want to be like Christ. It's based on something that a disciple named John told us after he spent three years with Jesus. He said this in John 1.14, he says, As of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Anybody who's ever studied the life of Jesus would say, man, he's full of grace. It's just obvious. It jumps off the page, but he was also full of truth. Last week, we looked at an incident in the life of Jesus with the woman who came and, uh, and how Jesus just showed incredible grace and it called for grace and Jesus was full of grace. But tonight, we're going to talk about a conversation that Jesus had that demonstrates he's full of truth. And uh, we're going to look at a very small part of Scripture. Just in two verses, Jesus said enough about truth to fill an entire book. Look in your Bible, John chapter 8 and verse number 31. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now notice there in, the, in, in that verse, it doesn't say you'll know a truth. It said you will know the truth. It's truth, uh, not necessarily with a little T, but with a capital T. There's an earthly truth uh, that is true, and, but not life-changing, and there's eternal truth that's true and that will change your life, right, right? If you remember from your math, you remember this thing called prime numbers, right? The prime number is the number that's divisible only by itself and the number one. And the number two is the only non, all the odd numbers are prime numbers, but number, the number two uh, is the only even number that's a prime number. But all the others, the odds, they're all prime. Listen, there are certain truths that are prime truths that apply across the board. They're true for everybody, everywhere, all the time. And if they're not, they're not true. They're not truths. 
There are a lot of things that believers can disagree on, and we do. I mean, you and I, we may not even disagree on, I mean, agree on every point of theology or of doctrine. There's plenty of room. That's why we have um, different denominations. I love it whenever I get together with other pastors from other denominations, especially in the community, and, and things like this will be said. You know, we just need to forget about denominations and all come together. And I'm, I always want to say, fine, 1015 Sunday, Grace Baptist Church, we'll be glad to have you. Now, why doesn't that happen? Because we have genuine, sincere theological differences. And, and, and it doesn't mean that you're outside of the kingdom of God necessarily, but it, there are some theological beliefs. But there are prime truths that should apply across the board to every man, woman, boy, and girl who believes uh, in Jesus, uh, right? And, and so what Jesus said about truth is going to tell us some things, how we're to respond with truth. So take some notes tonight. The first thing is this, <clears throat> excuse me, the truth must always be affirmed. We must affirm the truth. By the way, the truth isn't dependent upon us affirming it, but we as believers should affirm the truth. Now listen carefully to what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32. He said, you shall know the truth. Again, not a truth, but you shall know the truth. Jesus is saying there's a truth that is absolute, unchanging. There's a truth that is real, truth that you can know right? It's not some social construct. It's not subject to the whims of a different thinking at different times and different ages. There's a truth that's true for everyone, everywhere, in every place for all time. And you can know the truth. Sin is the, not the, listen, sin isn't the only reason that Jesus came. Jesus came for the truth as well. You remember when Jesus was talking to Pontius Pilate? Look at your notes, John 18, 37. Jesus said, you say rightly that I am a king. Come on. Ooh. All right, I'm sorry. I just, I just want to celebrate King Jesus there for a minute. You say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world. Why? That I should bear witness to the what? Truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Again, where is this truth found? We don't even have to wonder where we can find truth. John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus said that God's word is the ultimate absolute truth, and it has to be because if it's the word of God, then it has, it's what God says. And if what God says is true, it cannot be a lie because if it is, then he's not God. I want you to look at this next slide. Understand something. Listen, God does not say something because it's true. It's true because God says it. There's a big difference. It's true because God says that it's true. Why is adultery a sin? Because God said so, ultimately. Let me tell you why this is important. Without truth, no lasting morality is possible. Without an unchanging standard of truth that comes from an unchanging God, right and wrong become a matter of personal opinion. And if something is morally right, it has to be morally right for everyone. I want you to hear this. If something is morally right, it has to be morally right for everyone. And not only does it have to be morally right for everyone, if it truly is right, it has to be right for all time. It's morally right doesn't come in and out of fashion with the years and with the seasons. It's always true, and it's always been true. It has to be true for everyone, everywhere, and it's important that you don't miss it. If ultimate truth comes from God, it can never change because Scripture's clear, God never changes. All right? If truth comes from God, it can't be untruthful, right, because God cannot lie. If truth comes from God, truth can never be wrong because God is never wrong. 
But if truth is what we manufacture it to be, if truth is something that we put together, that we construct, then wrong can change at a moment's notice. There's no standard. Look at this next slide. I'm reminded of this story about Albert Einstein when he was a professor. And one year he was handing out the, the exams in the classroom and one of the students said, Dr. Einstein, he said, this is the exact same test from last year. These are the same questions from last year. And he says, well, this year the answers are different. Why? Because science changes and, it, and truth doesn't change, but science, as it discovers truth, right? Science changes. Well, the real truth never, ever changes. Truth that is absolute never becomes uh, absolute, never become obsolete. Again, it may be out of fashion, it may be out of favor, it may be out of friends, but it's never out of date. Truth is true whether we like it or not. Truth is always true. It doesn't matter what century you're in. It has no effect. Your age, whether you're 10 or 100, it's not only unending. Truth is universal. Real truth is universal. What is true today is, it was true yesterday and forever. It's true for you. It's true for me. It's true for all of us. I heard about a little girl whose uh, grandmother was trying to teach her to tell the truth. It was like, honey, you need to tell the truth. You want to be a good person? Tell the truth. And she said, she said Granny, I know we're supposed to tell the truth, but... Can we sometimes give it an extreme makeover and just make it look a little better? Right? Well, listen. If we take the truth and we make it over, it's just a lie with makeup on it. Um, another thing goes out the window if truth goes out the window. It's not just morality, but it's justice. Uh, you hear many people today crying about social justice. Have you heard this phrase, social justice? Right? The problem with social justice is many times it's not based on truth. Right? Real justice is based on truth. Without truth, there can be no justice. And justice is based on truth. The point here is that truth uh, corresponds reality, and reality corresponds with truth. They go hand in hand. Because you want something to be true doesn't make it so. I want Tennessee to be playing in the Final Four. It ain't so. If I can speak a little West Tennessee here tonight. Now hold on for this one. Now, all right, I typed this out, and I highlighted it, and I want to say it right. What is really true and what is truly real is really true and truly real for everyone. For always and for all time. We need to affirm the truth and understand there is such a thing as truth. And there's morality. Number two, the truth also must be accepted. It must be accepted. Uh, we have to accept it. Jesus said this. Look at verse 32. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now that word know there, it's not a word that applies simply to your head. It's like getting it down in your heart, getting the truth in your heart. This is where the battle is. This is where the war rages, getting it in your heart. We need to affirm there's truth, yeah. But it's one thing to know that there's truth, and there's another thing to accept it with your heart. I don't have to tell you that the buzzword of today, you know, we, we use this word all the time, tolerance, right? Tolerance, tolerance. I want you to know that it's moved on from tolerance. It's not necessarily tolerance anymore, this buzzword. It's now acceptance. It's no longer enough to tolerate. We now must accept, right? We're to be tolerant of the actions of others, even if we believe they're morally wrong. But we're supposed to accept actions of others, even if we believe they're morally wrong. It used to be that we're to tolerate the attitudes of others, even if we think they're socially destructive. Now it's gone to, we must accept the attitudes of others, even if we believe they're socially destructive. Used to be we're to tolerate the assertions of 
that anyone makes, even if we believe those assertions are wrong. But now it's must, uh, we must accept the, the assertions that other people make, even if we know that they're wrong and not true. And let me make it plain as we talk about this. Here's what we do. The way we treat people personally is we never want to be intolerant or bigoted or arrogant and all those kinds of things, right? But truth is truth. Let me read something to you that Bishop Sheen wrote. Bishop Fulton Sheen, he wrote this. He said, tolerance applies only to persons, but never to truth. Tolerance applies to people. We tolerate people, right? Intolerance of my... Scott was tolerating some of y'all during that choir practice. I'm going to be honest with you. There's a minimum of 10 worship leaders on the platform at any given moment. So he's, toler- he's more tolerant to people. But never to truth. Intolerance applies only to truth, but never to persons. Tolerance applies to the erring. We should show intolerance to the error. Does that make sense? He goes on to say it another time. He says, tolerance applies to people, but not to truth or principles. About these things, we must be intolerant. Right is right if nobody's right and wrong. Uh, Right is right if nobody is right and wrong is wrong if everybody's wrong. In this day and age, we need not a church that is right when the world is right, but a church that is right when the world is wrong. Right? And uh, he wrote those words in 1931. And it sounds like they were written for today, right? The truth has been silenced today by political correctness, the muzzle of tolerance, and the muzzle of acceptance. Intolerance is really a great thing when you think about it. I mean, you, you don't want... Um, intolerance is good when it's in the chemistry laboratory, right? If you're in the lab concocting something, you want it to be right. You want the mixture to be correct before you blow the whole place up. Matter of fact, one of uh, my former secretaries at a previous church, she had worked in a school as the chemistry teacher, and she almost blew the school up. True story. That's how she became my secretary. Amen. <laughs> the, the, they were intolerant of that school almost catching on fire. Listen, there's no room for tolerance in math. Two plus two is four. If you're an engineer or you work for NASA, if you work for NASA, they want that satellite to go where it's supposed to go. If you're an engineer or an architect for a building, the math has to add up. There's no tolerance there. There's no, not supposed to be any tolerance in sports, right? We've got instant replay. It's either they were in bounds or they were out of bounds. And I'll tell you that boy in that game, he was out of bounds. But anyway, bless it to me. All these areas of our life, we're supposed to be intolerant. Everything needs to be correct and right and true. But yet when it comes to the great moral issues of our day, we're supposed to be tolerant. Truth is irrelevant and it doesn't matter and we're to be accepting, right? I'm going to make no apologies whether we're speaking about salvation or sexuality or marriage, morality, disparity or uh, poverty, what is right, what is wrong. The word isn't intolerance. The word is truth. And when a lot of people hear God's word spoken as true, they take it as intolerance. That's up to them. I defend the right of anybody to believe whatever they want to believe. I defend the right of anybody to say what they want to say. Right? I mean, I was, I was in the Marines. I served in the Tennessee Army National Guard. I was so skinny. I believe that we should be able to believe what we want to believe. It doesn't make it true. Look at this next slide. Everybody's entitled to their beliefs, but not their own truths. True is true. 
There is a universal truth. Believing something doesn't make it true. Wishing that something was the case isn't true, right? Uh, truth matters. Belief is not what matters. I believe it. I believe that I'm a woman, therefore I am. That's just not how it works. I believe that I can do I believe that there's many gods. That's just not how it works. I just believe if you're a good person, if you just do enough nice things, your good outweighs your bad, and you're going, that's just not the way it works. You can believe yourself to death. You can wish upon a star, but at the end of the day, truth is truth, and that's what really matters. The Bible I preach from isn't true because I preach from it. It's true. That's why we preach from it. And if it corresponds to the reality of living in this life, then we have to tell it like it is. I have found something in the little bit of counseling that I've done in the ministry over the last many years when people come to me many times in counseling, not all the time, but many times with a situation, what they're trying to do is justify what they want to do anyway. Many times, many times, right? Most people already know what the truth is. They just don't like it, right? They don't like it. Jesus said, you'll know the truth. Now we need to affirm the truth, but uh, not to affirm there is a truth. We need to accept the truth. And that's going to lead us to number three. Write this down. We need to apply the truth. The truth must be applied. We have to apply it. Again, we talk about this all the time uh, when Scripture, when we're looking at a verse, we never want to take a Bible verse out of context, do we? And pull a verse out and say, this is what it says, and this is what it means. It's like what we're talking about this morning about don't judge me, bro, right? That's a verse out of context, taken out, you know, all of that. We always, when we look at a Bible verse, we want to look at the greater context, what happened before, what happened after, right? What's going on in the verse. We compare Scripture with Scripture. And so what good does it do to study the Bible, to study the Word of God, to come hear the Word of God being preached, to come worship Jesus and walk out the doors and not apply the truths that God has taught us to our lives? It won't benefit us at all. We can affirm that it's true. We can accept that it's true. We can do all those things, but until we apply it, it does not benefit us at all. You've got to know the one who is truth. John 8, 31. Look at verse 31 again. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Right? To hold to the teachings of Jesus, you live it. It's not a state of mind or a state of being. It's the way you live your life. It's not enough just to learn the truth. we got to live the truth. If truth is going to do in you and for you what God's Word wants it to do in you and for you, you're going to have to step out by faith living according to truth. Truth is absolutely useless to you if you don't believe it, and it's absolutely useless to you if you don't apply it. Truth is not just for the head. Again, it's for the heart. The mind learns the truth, right? The heart loves the truth, but the will lives truth. God's word, this truth, is meant to be lived out. That's what, look again at verse 32. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Right? And when we talk about truth, that word absolute, absolute. It was interesting to learn in Latin that word ab means from. And then uh, sover, uh, that word means to set free. So absolute, when we talk about absolute, really the meaning of the word absolute, what it means is to set us free. When we understand absolute truth, when we uh, apply absolute truth to our life, it's actually liberating and freeing. It's not a prison cell that we have to stay in, right? In all my years as a pastor, I've never met anybody that never needed to be set free from something. Right? It's something as simple as pride or they're living in the jail of jealousy or they're chained to bitterness or confined to guilt. You need to know the truth about your problems. Look at this next slide. 
Sin is the cause of all your problems. Every one of them. Sin. It may be yours. It may be somebody else's. Sin is the cause of all of your problems. Sin is the warden of our prison. Once you learn the truth on your own, you'll never get out of the prison you're in, right? On your own. There's no escape hatch. There's no key. Or once you learn the truth about Jesus, Jesus can unlock the door. Jesus can get you out. Jesus is the one that sets you free. Look at this next slide. Some of you, y'all remember Paul Harvey? Good day. <laughs> right? He once told of an, an experiment with a chimpanzee. And uh, the, the scientists, were there in the Bible, they were trying to teach the chimpanzee to write. And so they put this chimpanzee, lived in this cage. It was a cage. It was a beautiful cage, but it was still a cage. And they gave the chimpanzee all the things that it would need. They were constantly learning and training and learning and training. And just, they wanted the chimpanzee to write. And they thought, if we could teach this chimpanzee to write one sentence, it, you know, it proves that, we, that, you know, the connection between ape and man and all of these things, and it's going to be amazing. And they worked on them for year after year after year after year. And finally, they thought, we're close. And they called in all these scientists and all these people. People were flying in. Everybody wanted to be there at the moment that the chimpanzee wrote this sentence. And so the chimpanzee starts writing, and all the scientists closed in around that cage, and their noses pressed up against the glass, and they were looking in, leaning in. They wanted to see what the chimpanzee would write. What did he write? Let me out. <laughs> Let me out. Listen, that's nice. Listen, there's only one who has the What would you write? Let me out. There's only one who has the power and ability to let you out, man. There's only one. You can't do it. Only Jesus can do it. And that's the truth. Atheism denies truth. Agnosticism doubts truth. Uh, rationalism debates truth. Humanism degrades truth. And relativism dilutes truth. But Jesus said, I am truth. The only way we ever know the truth is by knowing the truth, Jesus. And if you reject Jesus, then your whole life is based on a lie. It's all out of kilter. Because you're either see the truth in this life or the one to come, but you're going to see the truth. The best definition I ever heard of hell, look at this next slide. I think it was Adrian Rogers that said it. I'm not sure. Hell is truth seen five seconds too late. Isn't that true? Truth seen five seconds too late. 2,000 years ago, a little baby was born in a major, born to a virgin. He lived about 33 years. And in his 33 years, he was absolutely perfect in every way. And he died on a cross for your sins and for mine. Three days later, he was resurrected. This Jesus holds the, the key to your joy, peace, fulfillment, uh, satisfaction, your salvation, your eternal life. And knowing him personally is the key to understanding all truth. He says his people will know the truth and the truth will set them free. Are you free tonight? Let's pray.